0: that means turn off button and turn on button okay <laughs> good evening it's great to have y'all here tonight uh, on a stormy night and uh, how appropriate because we're going to talk about a stormy song so uh, all that's going to work out for good last couple of weeks uh, we've been talking about uh, the stories behind the songs and uh, i've seen a lot of books that I, I probably needed before i started because a lot of you've showed you that you have books with stories about the songs and I think that's great because each one of the stories in our songbook um, is a story to be told. We've, sang, we've talked about one of my favorite songs growing up. And uh, a couple of weeks ago, last week, we talked about a simple song that has a very powerful message. And so uh, tonight we're going to talk about a song um, that has been an inspiration to me and hopefully an inspiration to others. And, and that's what we're going to talk about. The author of the song is James Rowe. He was a uh, New Year's baby, born January 1st of 1865 in England. He died in 1933. He was the son of a copper miner. He worked for the Irish government, and when he immigrated to the United States at the age of 24, um, he settled in Albany, New York, and he eventually worked uh, for the railroad and then became an inspector for the Humane Society. In his later years, he went to work for his daughter, who was an artist, and he started writing um, rhymes and, and verses for greeting cards, and, and that's where I think he discovered his talent in, in writing uh, songs. Um, the composer of the song was Howard E. Smith, and it said that him and James Rowe worked together on the song, and that uh, Howard was in advanced years and his hands were, were swiveled up with arthritis, but uh, he uh, banged this song out on a piano And they wrote the song together. The song has two uh, biblical stories that it uses. Um, The first one, and you might recognize real quickly, is from Matthew chapter 14. Um, It is the story of Jesus. And he waited on shore and he sent the disciples off. (coughs) Excuse me. He sent the disciples off in a boat. And he stayed on shore and he prayed. He'd had a rough uh, time. It was, uh, he had learned just before that, that the death of John the Baptist. And so he spent some time talking to his father. And the disciples went on out into the lake. And there was a storm, and so they couldn't make it very far out into the lake. Uh, but they were a pretty good ways offshore. And so toward morning, uh, Jesus decided to catch up with them, and he started walking out across the water. Now, you can imagine what the disciples thought when they look and they see something walking across the water. Now, maritime um, back in those days was very mysterious anyway. And so when the disciples see something walking across the water, their first thinking is it's a ghost. And Jesus comforts them and says, no, it's I. And, And when Peter sees him, Peter says, well, if it's you, tell me to come to you. And Jesus said, come. And so Peter gets out of the boat, and he starts walking toward Jesus. And I want to read, uh, hang on, let me get in the right place here. Technology is great when it works. Beginning verse twenty eight, chapter fourteen, Lord, if it's you, Peter replied, Tell me to come to you on the water. Come, he said. Then Peter got down out of the boat, he walked on the water and came toward Jesus. But when he saw the wind he was afraid, and he began to sink, and he cried out, Lord, save me. And immediately Jesus reached out his hand and caught him, and said, You little faith, why did you doubt? So that's the first scripture that uh, that we see in the song. Uh, you recognize it real quick from the lyrics. The second is Matthew chapter 8. And beginning in verse uh, 23. Again, they were out on the uh, on the sea. Jesus was in his bed asleep or in in the in the boat asleep. And storm began to come up, kind of like tonight. Only it became pretty vicious. And it's said that on the sea of galilee that storms come up very quickly and that they can be very strong and so the storm comes up and the disciples start getting pretty scared and they are convinced that they're all about to die and so finally the, the disciples got so scared they went and woke jesus up <laughs> to save us um we're we're gonna drown. We're gonna crash. The boat's gonna tip over. We're we're doomed. And Jesus got up, and he replied, "Oh, you of little faith. Why are you so afraid?" And then he rebuked the way, wind and the waves, and it was completely calm. And the men were amazed and asked, "What kind of man is this? Even the wind and the waves obey him." So we see the two stories that, that this uh, that this song uh, draws upon. grew up in Bentonville Arkansas went to church at the Bentonville Church of Christ we had several men that laid led singing each week and one of my favorite song leaders was William Spurlock um and this was my favorite song because this song was only special to him and and he actually was this song personified in in some ways um because he he lived this song um he was also one of our bible school teachers um he was one of those people that, when they started complaining that there was nothing for young people to do in Northwest Arkansas, uh, he bought the local skating rink so that the kids would have a place to go and hang out and have a, a good safe place and fun activity to do. And so, growing up, we had a lot of skating parties and um, that, that was just something that he felt compelled to do because he knew that the, it was needed in that area. Uh, he and his wife, Barbara, were very active in the benevolence program in Bentonville. Uh, if you were sick, they were going to show up and they were going to bring food. Uh, Barbara is well known for her chocolate chip cookies. That's just the kind of people they were. Um, uh, William eventually became an elder for the Bentonville church and, um, uh, and served them, uh, until his death last year, um. But in many ways, uh, he, he acted out uh, a part of the song. I've hesitated where to go with this um, all week, but I decided the best way for me to illustrate the point that I wanna make from this story is just take some some, uh, some examples from my life and where that it's inspired me and in, in a lesson that I see in this story. Um, I'm not giving it as a pity or a cry for sympathy, um, it may be a bit of a confessional. Uh, I think if we were in a different church, we could probably call it a testimony. But uh, I just want to use some ex- experiences from my life and show how a-, a lesson that I'm not sure we get out of this song that I think is there. Um, I was a senior at Arkansas State University. had been very active in the uh, Church of Christ Student Center there. It was my senior year, and... I still was, I wasn't wasn't on track to graduate. Um, I really went into college without any understanding of what college was about. Um, I took classes, but I didn't really have a plan. And so I took off the uh, spring semester, would have been my senior year, just to kind of figure out what what life was about. Um, And during that time, I spent a lot of time uh, working with the young people and I uh, went to Green Valley Bible Camp as a counselor. And I worked almost every week as counselor for somebody at Green Valley Bible Camp. Um, when you have a volunteer that's available, um, they're usually taken advantage of. And, so, and I enjoyed it. It was great. I got to experience a lot of different people. And I thought, maybe this is what God wants me to do. Maybe this was, was something. And so I decided to step out in faith and I transferred to Harding University, and I went to study youth ministry. And my hope was eventually to be a campus minister, but I started out, the only degree that you really had was youth ministry. And so I went through uh, the, it was a new program at that time at Harding University, and they taught you a lot of things, but one of the things that they didn't teach you was how do you get a job as a youth minister. And the way church of christ is organized and not trying to uh, defend anybody or or discourage anybody but each church is 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 autonomous which means there's not a direct line of communication and so the way to find out especially in 1980 something uh, we didn't have internet and so it was even hard to find out who was hiring And so it was a challenge just to find out places to send out resumes to. And as I started sending out resumes, I started getting back letters from elderships uh, one after another. And I found out that there is a standard for youth ministers that I didn't eventually fit. Um, I was single, and that was a big-time detriment, Um, partly because they wanted a... Youth minister who had a wife who could also take over the cradle role, also um, because they didn't want a youth minister that might be tempted to date one of their daughters, and so uh, rejection letter after rejection letter came in. Uh, I couldn't even get interviews, and and so I got discouraged, um, and I thought, you know, why did why did I do all this and and uh, and not have any opportunity even to do it? Um, most places wanted somebody with that were married and had experience and I thought I don't even know how to get experience you got to have that first place um, it really encourages me now to see the uh, intern and, and the way that we work the intern system here because that's amazing because that opens up the opportunities and it gives uh, young people who are wanting to go into the ministry uh, some first hand experience that wasn't really available back then if it was it was a kept a well-kept secret so I got very discouraged and I'll be honest I was bitter about it Um, and I ended up going back and doing the same job that I did before I ever went to Harding I went back into radio and uh, was so discouraged that it would have been real easy for me to have stopped going to church that's how discouraged I was But I was real involved with a singles program at Southside Church of Christ in Rogers, and I had a lot of friends there. And so even when I was struggling with my relationship with with God, I had a relationship with people that were involved, and they kept me active, and they kept me involved. So I kind of pushed that bitter pill down a little bit. Another story, after Kim and I got married... We couldn't have children on our own. And so we adopted. Adopted Stephen. When we adopted Stephen. Um, there were some things we didn't know. He was two years old when we got him. And. When a child is born first two years of their life it's critical that they learn to bond with their, their parents especially with their mom. And during that two years if anything happens that interrupts that process it can almost become a life scarring event. We don't know a lot of things that happen but we know we went through some Anyway, found out that he had some bonding issues. And later, he was diagnosed with reactive attachment disorder. Have you ever heard that? Again, he didn't learn in those first two years of life how to make bonding, how to love, basically how to love. And that leaves for a lot of issues. It's something we struggled with all of our lives. Something Stephen struggled with and it's not his fault. And and it's been difficult. And that bitter pill's come up several times because of that. But it's friends that I've made, relationships that I have at church that got us through that. I told you I was going to be honest. This is going to be a tough one. We made it through that because we had a lot of friends and a a lot of you that loved us, that have loved us through that. A couple of years ago at Easter, got a phone call. Mom was going into the hospital. Mom had been in picture of health. Um, Never had had many health issues. She had told us that she hadn't been feeling as well as she always had, but, you know, she was 73 years old. Um, You start slowing down a little bit. Come to find out, mom had leukemia. Had people all over the world, literally. Um, Friends from around the world, praying. And I kept reading these stories about the righteous, the prayer of a righteous man availeth much, and we had elders from the church come and pray, and we prayed and we prayed, and I was convinced God was going to heal her. I just knew God was going to heal her, and everything that could go wrong went wrong. Um, she'd have one health issue, and they couldn't treat it because of of the leukemia. And they couldn't treat the leukemia because of this. And so after a while, um, we realized that, that it was terminal. And so, again, there was bitterness there. Why did my mom die? We prayed, we prayed, we prayed. Everybody prayed. And so, again, it was a tough time. Very hard. Um, I don't know how I would have got through it, but and and people like William were there for us. Y'all were there for us, and so got through it. Other times, um, recently, we decided again to step out on faith and decided that we would try to be foster parents and. We went through the training, and we went through um, tra- traveling to, to Searcy and, and home visits and preparing our house, and we worked hard toward that and thought, you know, with the experiences we would had with Stephen, you know, surely we'd be prepared. We could handle about anything that came along, and we couldn't. Um, it ended up being um, a very tough situation. Now, I can't even tell you a lot of the, the, the deals about it, but I will tell you this. The, the families we have here that are doing foster care, hug them every day, every time you see them, because the deck is stacked against those who do foster care. Um, you're treated basically by the state as a criminal from the day you start, and it's not right, but it's the fact, and, and they are fighting the system because I love kids, and they are doing amazing things. And so they deserve um, all the respect that we can give them because I promise you, uh, they are doing amazing things. But I tell you all that, I'm sorry I got a little emotional over that, but I tell you those stories because here's the point that I want to make. Peter got out of the boat, and he walked across the water on faith, okay, He got out of that boat, and when it didn't work out, he crawled out to Jesus. And Jesus reached down in the water, and he picked Peter up. He physically pulled Peter out of the water, okay? When the storms were raging around to the point the disciples were scared to death, and you can imagine being out in a boat, and the boat's tilting. You've seen films, and that boat's tilting back and forth. Jesus was there to physically say, "Peace be still." He physically was there to speak the words to calm the waters. My point, first off, the song I think it is there as an encouragement to know that we serve a God that that's strong, that can physically walk on water, that can that had control. Over the storms. But to me, the lesson that is inspiring, the lesson that is there that that I get out of that song is that we are the arms of Jesus. When those around us are sinking and they call out more than prayer, sometimes. We've got to physically pull them out, okay? We have to be, um, as Chris has talked about, um, we have to be alert, as the world needs alerts. We have to be alert to those around us that are sinking. We have to be alert to those who are going through the storms because we're the ones, as brothers and sisters, that have got to be there to lift them up out of the waves, We've got to be the ones to calm the storms. Um, life is tough. Um, and, and Joyce, we were talking about, you've got to be tough to get older. But I think one of the things that we have to learn as Christians is that we've got to be able to be there for each other. Um, we have got to be able to lift each other up Um, when the storms of life uh, get bad. So as as the heading of my uh, lesson was how did love lift me? Through brothers and sisters in Christ. And that is how we have to work together. We have to be the love. And I think we talked last week about words that get watered down. I don't think there's one that gets watered down more than love. It's not emotion. It's action. It's work. And so um, the lesson that I hope that we get out of the song Love Lifted Me is that it is call a calling for us to come to action. I hope that you'll come back next week. Um, our lesson is going to center around the song Our God, He is Alive. And I promise uh, it won't be as, as uh, I won't get as emotional on it. I will try my best not to. Um, because next week we're going to look at um, maybe this song a, a little bit different. We're going to take a different spin from this song, I think, than, than what we normally would. We're going to look at why it's, um, if many of you remember, it, it, it was the song um, that was glued to the back of the songbook. Uh, bef- the songbooks that most congregations had before these, and it was 728b, and, and the 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 title for the lesson why is 728b, and that's what we're going to talk about a little bit. Um, why is it 728b and not 729? Um, it's 23 in our songbook now, by the way, and and there's irony in that to me as well. I shared some of my struggles tonight, and. Um, I could say I've been a benefit of a, a confession that things that have hurt me. There may be some of you that are struggling tonight as well. And when we come together as a group, um, we like to open up an opportunity. Um, if you're struggling, you need the prayers of the church, that you have the opportunity to come down. Maybe the opportunity that, that you've decided that um, tonight's the night you want to put on Jesus and baptism. We would certainly uh, be... Uh, uh, honored to to help participate in that also if you weren't able to partake of the lord's supper this morning it is available in room 100 uh, straight to the back and uh, you're more than welcome to make your way back there for that if there's any way that we can help any need that we can meet uh, come now what we, while together we stand and sing